Welcome to Off the Court, presented by Point Guard U. Today, we are joined by Coach Jim Dagan, the girls' varsity basketball coach at Hornell High School. Coach, super pumped to have you on. Yeah, super pumped to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we were we were lucky enough to have you at uh, our camps this past summer. You were at all three of our New York camps. Um, you were a huge addition for us. Super, super pumped that we got you. Some of my favorite drills I saw all summer came from you. Um, you know, you kind of, for those of you that might not uh, know Coach Jim Dagan, uh, he is Hornell through and through. Uh, I'll kind of let him explain a little bit of his story, but he, he couldn't be a better man for the job. And uh, we're super pumped to have him on. He's fresh off a uh, Section 5 championship last year, uh, and the girls are rolling this season. But Jim, for those who might not know you, can you kind of give us a little background to who you are and how you got to where you're at and what kind of inspired you to work with kids as a coach? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so like you said, I grew up here in Hornell, um, played basketball my whole life. Um, you know, went off to college with the hopes of playing basketball, kind of realized that college was a little bit harder than I thought it was going to be. So I just decided to do intramurals and stuff. I uh, got out into the work world, started teaching out in Syracuse, um, but then just really wanted to come back home. Luckily, there was a spot in the school district for me. Uh, and then in that first year being back, I was offered a JV girls soccer coaching job. And um, that was another sport that I played growing up. And so fell in love with coaching. Luckily for me, the following year, the JV girls basketball job opened up. So I did that for a couple of years, about four years. And then uh, last season I took over the varsity team and we ended up winning our first sectional championship, like you said, in school history. Um, we only graduated one kid from that team. And so we've got the core of everyone back this year and we're doing pretty good so far this year. That's awesome. And, you know, a little uh, antidote uh, for those that might not know, the first time I really had an interaction with Jim, Jim and I are good buddies. The first time he was actually refing a game <laughs> of mine, right? How was yeah. I, how was I as a coach? Was I, was I hard on you? No, no. I like to think that I call the perfect game though, but yeah, yeah. Um, I would say out that. of at that level, <laughs> keep in mind, I think this was when I first started getting into coaching. So I was at the time coaching middle school basketball. I wasn't coaching high school yet. And I mean, at that level, you're just lucky to have a ref, you know what I yeah. mean? So I think compared to what we were used to getting, you actually were like top of the line. So oh, I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. No, all those, so, I, so I ref for like two years before getting that basketball coaching job. And uh, every game I would just go in and be so jealous of guys like you who are already coaching on the sidelines and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, but I was waiting to get my chance to coach for sure. Well, hey, it's a well-deserved and I couldn't think of a better man for the job. So, you know, and obviously it's, it's an awesome interview because you've been at Point Guard U, you know Point Guard U, and you yeah. understand the audience that you're speaking to right now. Uh, you know, with 1500 kids across the country from Colorado to New York, you know, there's a lot of kids that are probably itching for a little more playing time than they're currently yeah, getting. For sure. What advice as a varsity coach do you have for a kid? And also, you know, you were quite the varsity player at Hornell as well, averaging over 20 points a game. You were, you know, had a beast team in 2013. Um, what, what advice do you have a kid who might feel like they're on the outside looking in of that starting five um, and are trying to get coaches attention? What advice do you have for that kid? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as a coach, like you always run into those kids who just want more playing time. And, you know, it's it's a lot about just doing the intangibles, you know, being a player who can dive on the floor and who's just willing to work hard all the time and willing to take an assignment, even if it's like, you know, hey, go face guard this kid. 
you might not shoot the ball this game, but if you can just play great D, like little things like that. But I think, you know, what's missing right now in the youth is high basketball IQ, you know? So I would say just be a student of the game. Like if you can understand situational basketball and, you know, make different reads and stuff, it doesn't matter what your skill level or athletic ability is. If you know the game inside and out, you're going to find your way onto the court. And I think, you know, right now, a lot of kids, the majority of the time they spend watching basketball is like those 15 second TikTok clips where you see highlight plays and stuff, but you don't see the game as a whole. You know what I mean? So I think that if you can build your IQ and just really, like I said, study the game and understand it in and out and be a player that is trusted when you're out there to do a specific job or whatever, I think that that's probably what's most needed on the majority of teams right now. That's awesome. That's great advice. Now, I know a little bit about your team more than an average podcast host would, and you have a lot of young talent, like yeah. young talent. Yeah. Um, you know, I think of like when I think of one of your leaders on your team, I think of Jordan, right? Jordan oh. Diring. Oh. And she's only a sophomore. Yeah. Right. How do you go about giving kids on your team chances to be a leader? Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially while navigating that some of them are so young and they might look like, you know, maybe at times a kid younger than someone else, you know, talking to someone older. What how does what does leadership look like in terms of like player led leadership on your team? For sure. It is tricky, you know, because we still do have some upperclassmen, um, but we've got a really good group of sophomores and freshmen right now that were all on the team last year. Um, fortunately, like I got to coach them on JVs. A lot of them played in seventh and eighth grade on JVs. And then I moved up with them to varsity. So they've had me for a long time. One of the things that I stress the most is kind of starting dialogue with the players, like during practice, asking them, all right, what didn't work? what could you have done differently? What do you think is a better strategy? And just like letting them put their input in. And that way it kind of empowers them a little bit to speak their mind, you know? And I think that they all see each other as equals regardless of their age because of that, because we've kind of just built a system where people find solutions and can problem solve for themselves. And then they let their teammates know, hey, next time, instead of rolling, pick and pop, or, you know, hey, back door cut when that girl guards you outside the three-point line, you know, little things like that. So. There's a lot of good communication that comes from that. So that's awesome. Now, I, as you're talking, I'm hearing you like talk about the, the dynamics of your team. I think back to watching you coach at practice at uh, camp and just yeah. remember how you know high energy, enthusiastic, passionate you are. And I, I can sense that in your team um, yeah. and when you talk about them. I'm curious, what does a practice look like with Jim Dagan as head coach? Um, so practices, we try to mix fun and competition in like a real healthy up-tempo way. Um, we do a lot of drills that, you know, say we're doing just like a standard, you know, passing cut layup drill. I'll put five minutes on the clock and for two minutes of that, I make them throw the craziest pass that they can think of. Like little things like that, that kind of like test their comfort zone, but also like make sure that they know that they're not going to get yelled at for playing, you know, loose and things like that. So I try to make them fun. Um, everything is a competition though. You know, if, if we got a goal, all right, there's this much time on the clock. We got to get to this many baskets or, you know, we'll play one-on-one -on -one and like put two teams against each other with one-on-one -on -one matchups and they play to a certain number of wins or stops and like, you know, just getting the girls to just compete constantly with each other. Um, definitely like to keep the mood light but also intense I know that's like kind of like a you know two polar opposites but you know we'll be 
we'll be running sprints and working hard, but we'll be playing like, you know, funk music on the, on the speaker and stuff like that. Throw some James Brown on, make sure that they're feeling good. Um, you know, little stuff like that to make sure that like they want to come to practice. And then it's exciting because there's competition throughout, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Now I'm curious, this next question I'm about to ask you, you know, only being in for, this is your second year at the varsity level. Um, probably haven't had, you know, a huge bank of stories to pull from for this, but, you know, Mm -hmm. dealing with parents nowadays is a beast of its own. Um, some coaches can navigate it really well. Some coaches, it makes them leave the game. You know, I just was reading a story the last week of a coach out in, I think it was Kansas that hung up for a coaching position just because the way, you know, parents were treating her. Um, I've heard, you know, polar opposites of coaches at the college level that don't even let parents talk to their, you know, coach. Otherwise the kid yeah. won't play, but you can't do that at the high school level. Yeah, um, right. How do you navigate, you know, parent parental involvement while also yeah. still making sure that like the individual kid is able to flourish without mom and dad being right above them? Yeah. Um, that's definitely like the trickiest part, especially at the level that I coach at the high school level, you know, and being in a smaller town, like I am, everybody knows each other. So a lot of these parents of kids these days know me from when I was in high school and um, you know, it can be tricky, but I think it really starts out with your relationship with the players as an individual, you know? Um, And that's what I try to stress the most is just understanding that like every kid is different. Every kid has got different things that'll motivate them, different things that'll kill their confidence or build their confidence. Um, So really taking the time to get to know each kid as an individual and just letting them know that you care enough to not just see them as a player on the roster. And I think if you set that early, the parents will see like, okay, maybe my kid's not getting as much playing time as another kid is, but I know this coach cares about my kid. And so instead of it being like a hostile situation, they'll come and just want to have an honest conversation about, you know, what can my kid do to get more playing time and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I really think that parents just want to know that the coach cares about their kid and sees their kid as, you know, an individual and as a part of the team. Um, you know, it's a tough situation when, you know, you got a great kid, you have a great relationship with, and they're just not seeing the court as much as they could, but at least the parents aren't coming in like the coach is the enemy, you know, in that situation, because they know that the coach would do whatever for the kid. Um, So I think that that's, that's the biggest part. 100%. Now I'm curious to know your take. Uh, I've talked to quite a few different coaches and I've been able to ask them this question. I've heard a wide variety. Most of them tend to lean one way, um, but it's on the topic of multi-sport athletes. Um, What is your take on the importance of being a multi-sport athlete? Or do you even, you know, how do you even feel about multi-sport athletes? I know some coaches, you know, are, are jealous of the time that other coaches get with kids, but I feel like, um, you know, more times than not, there's benefits to it. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely, there's, there's pros and there's cons. Um, you know, you look at some of these private schools that have kids who just play basketball year round and it's like, oh my God, I'd love to have that. You know what I mean? But at the same time, no matter what sport they're playing, Like if they play soccer in the fall, they're working on their footwork. And I always say like soccer defensive shape is just like zone defense in basketball. You got to be aware of where everything is, put yourself in the right spot. They're working on footwork, balance, strength, all that stuff. So, you know, like other sports can help you with the tools that you need to be a good basketball player, you know, softball, hand-eye coordination. I coach tennis in the spring. Um, 
footwork stuff, big time. I always try to get my players, you know, basketball players to play tennis because it really helps with footwork and quickness and stuff. My, my sell on the tennis thing is I tell my basketball kids, if you sign up for tennis, you can miss whatever practices you want. If it's for an AAU tournament for basketball. So, so they all sign up. We do a little bit of footwork stuff and you know, it is what it is, but yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, kids could get burnt out. Like the amount of outlets there are to play these days when it's AAU and personal trainers and things like that and camps, like if they're just playing one sport all year, eventually they're going to start to get sick of it. So I think that playing, you know, multiple sports, they'll end up deciding which one's their favorite, which one they put their free time into on their own. I hope that it's basketball all the time, but if it's not, it's not, you know what I mean? It just gives them a chance to switch it up, do some other things, but the, the overall skills and the things that underlie the basketball skill can come from anywhere, you know? And I think, you know, kind of building off what you said with like how much there is to do between AAU travel ball, there's all these op options, right. And kids can get burned out. I think too, like, there's so much the game to practice ratio nowadays in the in basketball is so much in favor of game where there's yeah. all not really like don't get me wrong you need to play to get better you need yeah. it helps it helps play but also there's so much overlooking of the importance of an empty gym nowadays yeah, and I think kids aren't necessarily getting better AAU's become a business people are paying just to get their kids on a team to play as how many games you play how, oh you have, you have there's way too many practices I'm gonna go play for this other team. Where yeah. if kids aren't really getting better and they're playing, 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 and let's say maybe they're a kid like we talked about earlier who's on it feels like they're on the outside looking in, they go and sit through 60 games in a, you know, for their AAU team and they don't play any of them. That's a, probably the fastest way to get burned out versus like going and playing for a team. You have a lot of practices, you're getting better like it for the school, right? How much yeah. how many times have you seen a girl get so much better from the start of the season to the end of the season? Oh, right. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. And like that, I feel like having a good practice to game ratio is so important, especially if you're going to focus on one sport. I mean, you got to have a good balance. And if you're not getting those practices, you yourself have to get yourself to an empty gym. Otherwise, yeah. it's easy to get burned out because you're not seeing any payoff from, you know, everyone's playing at the same time. They're all getting the same yeah. amount better. And if you're not playing, then hey, you're not even getting yeah. better. So that's my rant on it. I think. Um, you know, with this hyper focus, there's been a big push. A lot of people that are just playing one sport now. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it's also good too for like kids to hear from another coach, right? Oh, like whether it's a different coaching style or, hey, that's the same thing my other coach was telling me, or just for them to even like have a different role on the team. You know what I yeah. mean? I'm sure your role was a little different between when you bounce between sports, right? Um, it can provide some humility. It can provide some confidence. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of good that comes from it, but I also understand like, and th this is going to be preaching to the choir with you as a varsity coach, head of the program, you know, fresh off a section five championship, trying to, you know, keep the ball rolling. You got a lot of young talent. Basketball is a year round sport, really, even though we yeah. say we want to do all that, like, there's camps, there's weight room, there's, tr no. like you're always, you know, the more you can have your players, the better. So it is definitely, it's a, like a, it's a catch 22. There's benefits, but you definitely want them year round. Kind of like you're saying, you know, how yeah, absolutely. To have kids year round. Yeah. So kind of, if you could, every coach is different, right? If you could kind of in briefly kind of give us a little insight to your coaching style and a few words, could you describe 
your coaching approach and how you think that sets the tone for your team's success? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I definitely try to give off a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm and love for the game. You know, the girls understand that like I'm obsessed with it. And so it kind of, they start seeing that and then they start getting into some of the finer details of stuff. Like for example, the other day we're, we're in films and films are starting to wrap up. And one of the girls asked me if I could put on clips of the 2014 Spurs championship team. And I was like beyond proud. Cause like, that's some of the best basketball that's ever been played. You know what I mean? And so like they're getting into that stuff. So just kind of leading by example with just love for the game and enthusiasm about being there. Um, you know, I definitely preach effort. I preach selflessness. You know, we've got a, a lot of talent, fortunately. You know, we're not a team that just has one kid who's really, really great. So just getting the girls to buy into the fact that like everything needs to be about getting the best shot or playing the best five person defense. You know what I mean? Um, Definitely try to keep things loose uh, and confidence, really. Confidence is my biggest thing. Like, I, I find ways to pump the girls with confidence and get them to want to play hard. And, you know, just every time they step on the court, you can see it, you know, whether it's a game where we get down early and then we just stay composed and come back or a game where we win the game in warmups because the way that they carry themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, I definitely preach confidence a lot, and I think it pays off. That's awesome. Now, I know you've been at the varsity level. This is your second year, but you mentioned you had coached prior to that, and you've been even coached in other sports. Yep. Reflecting on your coaching career, are there any specific moments or achievements that stand out to you as particularly rewarding or memorable? And if so, why? Yeah, definitely. Um, the first one that I had, we it was a home game at the end of the last, you know, the end of the regular season last year, and uh, we ended up beating a Livonia team who had, you know, a stud player, a good supporting cast. This this player, um, she plays at Niagara now. Um, but they had beat us by 25 in, like, the first week of the season at their place. They ranked that game. Yeah, they're ranked like the first game. Yeah. Oh, man, it was ugly the first game. But, you know, yeah. we, were, we were still getting into our own a little bit at that point in the year. So then, you know, we kind of talked to the girls before the game and we're like, you know, we're not the same team that we were. And – you know, it's a close game, goes into overtime. It's like a minute left. We're down by three or four. And I called a timeout and just kind of looked at the girls and was like, you know, we get a stop right here. We're going to win this game. And they kind of looked at me like I was crazy, but then said it again, saw them believe me a little bit. We ended up getting the stop, getting an and one, making another, uh, another shot and another possession. We ended up winning the game in overtime. And so after that, I think the girls were, you know, they kind of believed in themselves and they trusted what I was telling them a little bit more than they ever had before. And uh, things really started rolling after that. And then, of course, you know, we we took down a really good minders team in the semifinals last year that had a lot of seniors. They were just they were really, really good. It was a tough environment um, and we battled back from behind, got the win. And then we ended up winning the championship, which is always awesome. And, you know, it was the first one in school history. So like half the student body was there. They came on the court after the game and stuff. It was really, really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, what do we have to look forward to for the rest of the season? How are we looking? What's the projection? Yeah, yeah I mean, um, you know, for the last like six weeks, we've been ranked number one in the state for class B. Uh, we're, I think we're 14 and one now. We've got a really, really tough stretch. We scheduled our last three games of the year are against uh, teams that are classes above us that are, you know, top five in the state in their classes. Um, you know, so 
like it's it's going to be a grind but that's exactly what you want i think going into the playoffs like you want to be tested whether you win or lose you're getting into rhythm of those really tough competitive games against teams that are going to challenge you you know what i mean and so you know i i like our chances in all the games just any it doesn't really matter who we play i'm always confident in the girls that we have and uh you know it should be battles but you know right now things have been rolling and so it's good that we're going to get some really high level competition entering into the playoffs i'm excited about it that's awesome now how many kids will you be graduating after this year so we've got one foreign exchange student who's never played basketball before but is on the team and so she'll technically be graduating um other than that we've got one kid who's graduating this year wow so, so you yeah. are just i mean you're locked for years <laughs> yep i mean we've got, we've got two juniors this year um one of them's in the starting lineup and then we've got four sophomores and a freshman who are all starters or heavily into the rotation. So things are looking good right now. Coach's dream. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not a bad situation. Yeah. Right. So uh, as we wrap up, we always end our podcast with a segment called full court press, some quick hitting, some lighthearted questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an easy one to start. All right. Okay. All right. Favorite color. Green. Green. I thought you would go with the uh, red Raiders red. I do like red, but you know, green's always been my favorite. Can't hate on it. Favorite <laughs> cereal. Favorite cereal. I'm going to have to go cinnamon life. Is it milk before cereal or cereal before milk? People do milk before cereal. Cereal before milk. If you don't do that, I, I don't know. You're, I don't know. I have to talk to you a little more about I exclusively, it. I say this to everyone. I exclusively put that question in there just to weed out the psychos. If they answer that way, the, I don't even air the podcast. Uh, <laughs> you can't trust them. You can't trust them. <laughs> Favorite movie? Favorite movie? Um, Pulp Fiction. Okay. Now, would you rather give up appetizers or des desserts for the rest of your life? <laughs> Still give them up. Give them up. <laughs> yeah. You gotta give them up. Appetizers have... or desserts? Yeah, I don't have much of a sweet tooth, so I'm giving up the desserts. Appetizers are my thing. Sometimes I'll go out to eat and just get three appetizers for my meal. So appetizers all day, I'm keeping those. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm laughing about the payday bar. <laughs> Jim, you have a sweet tooth. I know you have a sweet when tooth. When I'm sleeping. All right, we're going to have to get into that a little bit we more. You got, got it. What? <laughs> so... I told Reed over the summer in confidence, but now we're bringing it up on the podcast. <laughs> you told me in the and trust tree. <laughs> I've got something where I sleep eat. So I eat during sleep. And there was one day that I ended up eating a candy bar with the wrapper on it <laughs> in my sleep. Thank God I didn't choke or anything. But I came back up the next morning and it shocked me. And now it's going to be on Spotify for the world. Oh my <laughs> gosh. What kills me is that when you, when you threw up the next morning, your brother was like, what are you, a golden retriever? <laughs> That's uh, too not, funny. not my right. proudest moment. That's right. <laughs> so the next question was favorite candy bar. So I think we got to, I think the answer is a payday. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I like right. it enough to eat it while I'm sleeping. So yeah. Best Gatorade color. Ooh, it's a tough one. It's either yellow or light blue. I usually go yellow, but it's good to mix it up with light blue. Just no purple. Is it, yeah. Is it weird? Oh, retweet. Is it weird that I like associate certain Gatorade colors with times of the year? Like if you hand me a yellow Gatorade in the summer, I'm, I mean, 
that doesn't get better than that. Yeah, Winner, yeah. I'm going with like a light blue. You know, okay. that's just me. But yeah, I like best that. best player. And now you were a great player, so I'm curious. Best player you've ever played against, or mm-hmm. you know, whether it's like coached against or coached for, you know, someone you coach. Yeah, um, best player I played against was definitely Thomas Bryant. Um, he's mm-hmm. in the NBA now. I I got to play against him. Uh, I can't remember what year. It was the middle of my high school career. Um, he was a couple of years younger than me, but he was a heavy amount of inches taller than me when we played. Um, he's now in the NBA, so he's definitely the best player I played against. Uh, awesome. best, best player I've coached against. I'm not going to name best player I, I coached because I'm still coaching those girls and I don't want to start any wars. But <laughs> best player I've coached against was uh, Kylie Buckley. She went to Livonia. She's at Niagara now, uh, just in the end of her freshman year. But she's getting a lot of playing time up there. So, yeah, she's definitely the toughest one I've coached against. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, I got to see her play the first time, not this year, but last year. The first time Cornell played Livonia last year, I got to see her play. And, dude, she looked like she looked like if it was like you or I out there. Yeah, like she's she like just like can get to the hoop whenever yeah. she wants. She can get yeah. to the hoop whenever she wants. Like every rebounds hers. She's yeah. just like a problem. Which I think you know, yeah, I think she had like thirty eight and twenty five against us that game that you saw. That's so, crazy. Dude. And like she was getting like face guarded and boxed and won, and she's still mm-hmm. doing. That. So like it, she was on a different level. Yeah, that's wild. Loudest crowd you've ever played in front of or coached in front of? Um, coached in front of had to have been the sectional finals last year. Um, it was us against Dansville. They're a team that's in our league. It was the third time we saw them that year. We went one and one against them during the regular season. And it was about, you know, the same distance for both teams to travel up to the game. And it was just packed. You know, we played in a normal high school gym. And so the whole place was just rocking the whole time. None of the girls could hear anything I was saying. So thank God that they kind of took care of themselves that game because I was just yeah. losing voice on the sideline. What gym was that? That was at the uh, Rush Henrietta. Okay. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, hey, man, super pumped that you came on the podcast. This is probably one of my favorites. Real funny. Um, guys, check out Jim Dagan uh, online. Check out his social media. Follow him. Stay tuned with the Horn Owl. Uh, Red Raiders are up to this season. They're on a roll. Um, I have a feeling that they have uh, many years of success ahead of them. So, Coach, definitely appreciate you coming on and looking forward to hanging out with you this summer at camp. Yeah, man, I can't wait for the summer. It's going to be awesome. Thanks again for having me on. Uh, I I follow your guys' podcast. I'm going to be looking forward to all of them coming out here soon. Awesome. Thanks, Coach.